friends and enemies, lovers and haters. All right. Normally I'm on a little later, but I'm just jumping in the mix because I got two things I want to say real quick. First and foremost, the Climb Malawi Project by GCI is on. We need your support to make this thing happen. Please check out the links in my bios, everywhere on my social media platforms and message me. We would love donations. We would love all the things to make this happen. We are still fundraising to make this thing a reality and I would love to talk to you more about it if you wanna help, if you wanna be involved. Climb Malawi is something that's super important to me because it's important to see the flourishing climbing communities that we have here in the States and Europe flourish in other countries and other places. Second thing, thank you DFW. So many of you guys have walked up to me and you have loved the farewell to Dallas Rocks episode, Summit Dallas. And I'll be honest with you, I feel really weird you saying thank you to me because you are what makes that gym or made that gym phenomenal. Like that gym was beautiful because of you, because of this community. And even though you're saying thank you to me, I, I, you know, honestly, I can't take it. I got to give it back to you. Thank you, DFW, for really making climbing what it is, this warm, beautiful, inviting place. Hey, Bree, how you doing? Hey, good and pretty good. How are you, Mario? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Hey, I was psyched to see you and Cameron climbing last week. How did uh, your session go? It was pretty good. Haven't been on ropes in a while. I feel like I just need to start training a little bit more again. What was that hangboard you mentioned to us? Uh, oh, it was a flashboard. And I think it's the best one because you can use it indoors. You can use it outdoors. It doesn't really matter where you use it. You can hang it on stuff. You don't have to mount it to your wall. So it's pretty dope. Oh, that's great because I feel like I can't put holes anywhere in my house. But yeah, that's awesome. Where can I get it? Uh, you can go to Tension's website, and then whenever you do, just drop in the promo code Tension SAS twenty. You'll get twenty percent off. You'll support the podcast, and yeah. But then they'll get it to you on the quickness. Oh, sick! Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, are you guys climbing again this weekend? Yeah, I think we'll hit up uh, maybe the new. Rope gym down in the design district. Oh, uh, the new movement is finally open. Nice. Finally, after our long wait. I know. That's a long wait, but I'm excited. Well, I'm looking forward to climbing with both of you guys, and I'll see you guys this weekend. Yeah, I'll catch you later. Bye. Bye. Friends and enemies, lovers and haters, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. If you haven't already, please follow, like, and subscribe to Sends and Suffers podcast. Every bit counts and we would love to hear from you. So take a moment to leave a comment. These go a long way and help others know what they're getting into and how good this show is. If this is one of your favorite podcasts, consider becoming a Patreon. 
For as little as $5 a month, you are investing in Sense and Suffers podcast. And it's like buying your boy a taco, hanging out and getting to know the good, good that is coming your way. Monthly recaps, early show releases, and all the other cool things that we do. Thank you so much for listening to Sends and Suffers podcasts. All right, Daniel, how are you today? Dude, I'm doing killer good, man. Nice. It's been a good day. It has been a good day. We've done a little location scouting uh, for an upcoming project that we're working on that you guys will all find out about later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess, who are you? Where are you from? And what is your relationship? What relationship do you have with the outdoors? Yeah. So I'm Daniel Pullane. I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where I reside. Um, and yeah, I, my main relationship to the outdoors is through the sport of climbing. Like that's what motivates me. Uh, and that's what kind of draws me into the outdoor spaces. And I think just provides a space for me to like interact beautifully with beautiful places, I guess. Nice. How'd you start? Oh, dude. So back in the day I read into thin air which is about a bunch of people dying. Um, <laughs> but for some reason, like that inspired me to want to climb. And nice. I totally like masochistic. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That type two fun is my life, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, that was like, I think when I was a freshman in high school and I was like a little bit distracted, but eventually found my way to a climbing gym uh, in Edmond, Oklahoma that doesn't exist anymore. And I go, oh. Wait a minute, there was a, there was a climbing gym previous to Blockworks in Edmond? Yeah, dude. What was it called? Um, it was called Holdistic. Holdistic? Um, yeah. Wow. And dude, it had a foam pit <clears throat> bouldering area that was like 25 feet. Oh. And dude, it was like a wild place, man. But dude, there's like wood decking like around the foam pit. Dude, so if you like were too close to that man you would have freaking got messed up when you hit that foam pit man like you wouldn't have hit foam <laughs> yeah. it's like old d-rocks days There's yeah this gym uh and called dallas rocks back in dallas um and it was before <gasps> summit had owned all the owned all the gyms mm -hmm. um and um i was actually talking about this with an upcoming episode with luke that comes out next week what are outsider uh, but that flooring was so thin when the gym first opened, it was like gymnastic mats and there was six Asana pads for a gym that would normally have like two to 300 boulders. <laughs> That's wild. It, like 200 boulders, maybe, uh, maybe 300 exorbitant now. Then we didn't have that many holds back then, but yeah, we would like drag around these little teeny Asana yeah. pads. You'd be falling from like 20 feet. Up. Yeah. Dude, that sounds about right, man. First generation climbing gyms were like, anything goes dude yeah, yeah i don't think people know how good they have it now yeah seriously to, like man. it was it was it was some serious cowboy yeah. stuff back in the day yeah dude there's no 18 inch cascade mats man <laughs> no yeah was, uh i will say this though you know luke and i were talking about this but like we found that in those gyms like especially when you had to drag mats or like i remember i was hearing about gyms where you have to bring your own crash pad oh what the heck man no dude <laughs> but um you were forced to make friends dude i think you can be really antisocial in a gym now which is kind of heartbreaking yeah. in its own way but i mean i get it like people like this is my fitness now this is that that but like climbing <laughs> climbing started off as a 
social, but anti-social, but self-indulgent endeavor. Because like, yeah, you, like, like, especially before bouldering really picked up popularity the way it is now, like you needed a partner and mm-hmm. you had a, and like not always that same partner was available. And so you generally had a crew of people you ran through. Yeah, dude. And like, it was definitely like a small crew of people, especially if you're in the Midwest, man, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like bouldered. Like the people who were climbing were like dedicated to that thing or they like found it somehow randomly and oh, then like, like became that way, like really quick. Yeah. Like Tony yeah. Mays, a bunch of those guys back mm-hmm. in the day who were just like out at the talls or courts every. Dude, have you heard Tony Mays story? Like he's freaking wild, dude. He's I only like know one a of little the most bit like of individually motivated people that I've ever met. Uh, no. And like me. one of the most like low key crushers, like. I don't around. think there's anything low key about his crushing. Yeah, dude, that's true. I mean, he's just like super quiet and I don't think that many people know who he is. Um, well, I mean, I don't think people know who he is because not many people climb in the Wichita's because unless yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, seriously. Uh, like unless you live in Texas, Oklahoma or Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. You like, probably have no clue. You have yeah. no idea. Because like, yeah. like we in Dallas, we call the Wichita's and the courts, especially courts. We call courts the Yosemite of the South. Yeah, dude, that's what and it is, man. You know, and it's like, it's, you know, and, Anyone listening to this is like, yeah, that sounds like the most preposterous thing, but it is, it's, you get your head right because most stuff is really run out. Like, dude, yeah, you have to have your head right. Yeah. I think it's like, (laughs) is there a route to the right of Amazon woman or to the left of Amazon woman called Jupiter or something like that? I don't know. Um, It wouldn't surprise me, but um, there's a lot of things that I don't know still. Me and my buddy Will, we did this like 11C. Uh, trad climb that was like ultimately run out. And I remember the first place we placed was like a number four. Yeah. No, no, a number five is like a number five, number shoot, six, dude. Yeah, dude. I yeah. was proud. I was proud. I yeah, was you should proud. be very proud of 11C, of course. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. very proud. Yeah. 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 And proud that you just like made it through the route, too. And oh, yeah. Like, didn't up in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were definitely moments where I was like, yeah, dude. like I'm not falling today. Yeah. yeah. And then, dude, quartz is so crazy because, like, it's so glassy and freaking low angle that, like, oh, if you blow a foot, like, you're not going to know when it happens. It's just going to happen and you're going to be falling and sliding. You're like, you're not falling. (laughs) I agree with that uh, to an extent. And I I definitely, the one thing with quartz, the beta with quartz is climbing the dead in the winter. Yeah, dude. And then two, um, soft shoes. Mm -hmm. And then third beta is, like, just keep moving. Yep. Like keep going up, keep going, just keep moving. Yeah. The mantra is it'll probably stick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like I don't see any holes. You just keep going. They're they're there. They're there. Just, just keep going. I think the biggest whip that I've ever taken on gear was at quartz. Really? It wasn't a whip. It was like a slide over like rough granite too, but like it was on a five, seven, and dude, there was just this, like, this is called South Pacific. That's right by Amazon woman. Mm-hmm. There's like this three foot section where you just have to like stand on glass. Like there's just this section where like the water hit the granite perfectly. And dude, tried to stand up on that thing and then ended up like tumbling like 30 feet. Um, yeah, which dude. I think is like a small fall for quartz too. Oh yeah. 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 That is for a very small, small fall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I don't know. The biggest whipper I ever took, I think, was um, working on the Velvet Tongue in Black Velvet Canyon in Vegas. Mm. And I fell trying to pull the crux, like, 
dihedral, like traversing on this like glassed out, like iron sandstone. And I like just crashed into my, I like took a pendulum swing and just crashed into my partner. And I did it twice. And then I remember on the third fall, I didn't hit him because he moved. Cause what he did is he got smart and clove hitched himself in, Mm -hmm. but lowered himself way down. And so he was playing actually like maybe 15 feet below oh, the nice, anchor. dude. He was dialed, man. Yeah, well, because we brought Jumars, because we knew mm-hmm. this thing wasn't going to go like right away. Yeah, so yeah. we were well aware. But um, yeah, dude, and it just like that last pendulum, I was like, all right, it's time to call it good. Today. Yeah. We're done for the day. Yeah. Yeah, we were pretty beat up. We did not go back and finish that route, but it's something, <laughs> it's on my bucket list. Dude, heck yeah, it should be, man. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. canyon is so freaking cool. Like it's that gorgeous. black velvet wall. Like, I think I it's some of the spot, best, dude. I think it's some of the best multi-pitch sandstone climbing in America. Yeah. Like that particular can- slot canyon. Mm. Like, you know, the rest of Vegas is pretty dope and it has its Yeah, it's super things. cool. But like that, like the rock there is just a ne- uniquely bullet. I'd be curious mm-hmm. to like, you know, was it a glacier that just went through there? Or yeah, whatever? who knows, but, man. Yeah, I mean. I don't know anything about though. geology. I wish I did. I mean, <laughs> we have the internet. But yeah, we can do dude, that exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So... We're here in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Hanging out. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be shooting some interviews at Blockworks tomorrow. Yeah, hanging dude. Out. Um, uh, but we were just re- briefly talking as we were setting up that um, I'd like to hear more of like this um, energy and this kind of grit and fire that you got going on of like why you originally started to reach out to me. Because you reached out to me on the gram and I was kind of like, hell yeah. I was like, I was psyched on this. Yeah. But I like, I was kind of like. I just was surprised and uh, yeah. And so like you, you were just talking about like being on the hustle kind yeah. of trying to make moves. Yeah, dude. I mean, being in the Midwest, like put you or, and being a climber, put you in a relatively small group of people. And then being a person who creates media around climbing, um, puts you in an even smaller group. So I think I was listening to Chris Hampton's podcast, power company pod one day and you were on it talking about black joy. I think that was the episode. Uh, yes. And I was like, and I, I guess like in that podcast, like he mentioned you being in Dallas and I was like, wait, what? Like there's no like prominent people like who would be on a podcast in the Midwest or that's what I thought. And I was like, well, shoot, Mario's that guy. So I got to freaking talk to him because yeah, dude, us boys in the Midwest who want to do things in climbing have to stick together. So agreed. Yeah, dude. Agreed. Uh, yeah. what did you think of that episode? Um, so that was like a year ago that I listened to it. Oh, I'm going to be honest. Grip. It's a grip. It's a grip. Um, but dude, I mean, I think I was taken aback a little bit by, uh, your willingness to be vulnerable around like, I don't know, like somewhat emotionally, like around the sport too. Like that's not the most common thing in the climbing world. Um, and it's also something that I respect a lot in people. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. I would definitely, I definitely agree. I think it's becoming more common Yeah. Mm. now. And I hope that podcast was like, I I hope that podcast was like a catalyst for it, Mm -hmm. but I definitely think like in general, uh, well, I, let me back up. I, I don't know necessarily know if it's climbing that is it just within climbing. Is it becoming more norm? 
But I think it's becoming more norm for men to talk about like emotions yeah. and talk about feelings mm-hmm. and talk about how it is. Because even in rap, like music, there's like this poetic sense of oh, rap. It's like, sure, I think it's called, dude. I think it's called Red Edge or Red something. I don't know. There's this podcast that I follow called Crunchy Beats mm-hmm. that talks about rap and they have great TikTok and Instagram channel. Okay. Dude, um, I need to check but, that out. That oh, sounds dude, sick. Crunchy Beats is like... I almost wish I didn't say it because it's kind of like my secret. Yeah. You know, like you have yeah, those like yeah. secret things. So, yeah. but if y'all heard about this, Crunchy Beats is where it's at. Heck yeah, dude. Um, but uh, there was this thing that he talked about with like, it's almost like this poetic rap. And I really, I like, I'm on board with this trend. I'm really on board with it because- Oh, I, dude, heck yeah, man. Yeah, because I feel like people were just like- it, Everybody likes glam rap to a certain thing. Like sometimes- you know, all you want to be is just thinking that you're popping bottles in the club and living your best <laughs> life and just dancing around yeah. and like, you know, something, close your eyes and live that life in your room. Or if you got the money to go to the club and do it great. Yeah. But I think the reality of the situation and much as like I was playing, um, roaches who sung that we played it earlier. Max cream, Maxo cream. Yeah. Maxo yeah. cream roaches. I was telling you about that story about being at a house party with a bunch of mm-hmm randos climbers friends people of all kinds but then when the beat dropped on everybody's like singing that song and i was kind of like i was into it but at the same time i was like do you guys realize that he's talking about like the desperation and kind of his life and this is kind of like a therapy session that you're yeah, listening to and like, so like specific tragedy that's befallen his family and, and that's trauma like serious dude yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you know and it's just like but it, it was one of those things mm-hmm. and it's like and I'm kind of going on this tangent here or going away from it. But I think the point is, is, you know, music, art, music and art is a, art is a determined factor of a civilized civilization. And I think our art as a culture is becoming more culturally aware and more culturally Mm -hmm. sensitive to things that have been deemed weak yeah deemed, uh-huh. deemed not something that men talk about and i think you have trauma and by no means am i saying like we need soft men because you know to quote joe rogan whether you whatever you and i'm just going to say this now if you guys don't like joe rogan that's your own problem if you do like him great i am mutually like don't care at all yeah. i think he just runs a good podcast and yeah, i enjoy yeah, it for sure um but i don't know if he got this quote from somewhere else but you know soft time hard men make soft times and soft men make hard times. And, mm. you know, and, and man, I ask the question, like, what is a soft man too? Like, mm. yeah. Or, and like, what is a hard man? Like, um, I'm, I'm going to answer that. Yeah. Go but, ahead. Sorry. No, I want to answer that. But I also want to just caveat too. Cause you made me think of like what I mean by hard times, mm-hmm. like the greatest generation on earth is considered our grandparents that yeah, fought in World War boomers. I. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, that, yeah, okay. I think it's like World War One, World War okay. Two, Yeah. And they made a lot of prosperity for the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. And that was a big thing. And so they are considered hard men mm-hmm. and creating that soft times. Mm-hmm. And, and then people who are more, are not willing to stand up for, right. Stand up for social justice, human rights, mm-hmm. you know, um, just, just the basic decencies, you mm-hmm. know, stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves you know, making equality, making access. Um, if those people aren't being ruthlessly, if those people aren't ruthlessly sharing that message with love, kindness, and empathy, mm-hmm. 
And I, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the word ruthless in this way. It's like, yeah, dude. It's like, you know, and so this is where I want to talk about hard men and soft men. Like, and there's someone else who talks about this, like toxic masculinity being mm-hmm. a bad thing and toxic men and masculinity being a good thing. And this is, a, I recently had this conversation. Oh, his name escapes me, but it will, it will remind me, it will come to me in a minute. I think his name is Andrew. Okay. Andrew or Chad. I don't know. I'll look at my phone in a minute. But um, um, he and I were talking and I was like, you know, bringing up this concept of like, a soft man is someone who does not, soft man is a, is a guy who's not willing to be that guy. I'm going to say, and I want to be very clear. I mean, when I say guy today, I am talking about men, women, children, whatever your pronouns are, however mm-hmm. you identify yourself. So let me just, uh, I'll say it this way. A soft person is a person who is unwilling to be that person. Unwilling to be that person when someone is being bullied on is to step in. Is unwilling to be when you have someone being like a peeping Tom mm-hmm. and it's just like willing to like step in and just like kind of casually like diffuse the situation. There was something that um, on uh, Instagram, there's this uh, channel that I watch and I can't remember it right now, but it's like, uh, it's like protect your family and protect mm-hmm. your daughters and protect your children. And yeah. one, and it's just, they go into these scenes and the situation, this guy was sitting on a bus. No, these man and women were sitting on a train and this guy was on his phone acting like he was on his phone, but he was leaning it farther and farther forward to get a peep under the women's dress. Oh man. And this older man, older gentleman from across the train, um, it, well, like two seats over saw what was happening and he stood up and he just gently says, Hey, I have a seat for you. And she's like, Oh, thank you. And then he just stood there where the guy is. And the other guy just sat back Dude, and respect, like, man. Yeah. And like, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Like, you know, and like, that's hard. Mm. That's hard. Yeah. But like some people would be like, well, that's not my problem. And, yeah, yeah. and like, and, th- and that's a simple situation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, and sometimes, you know, being a hard man is sometimes, willing to put yourself in a little bit of harm's way, whether it be yeah, emotionally, sure. whether it be emotionally, spiritually, physically, but mm-hmm. for the betterment of the community and the betterment yeah. of the people that are around you and mm-hmm. for the betterment of people who have a hard time protecting themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree so with that, dude. I think the thing with what is happening is, is I think what is complicated and this is, you kind of took me down a rabbit hole that I've been, I, I, <laughs> dude, I, I love this rabbit hole. Let's keep going, dude. Yeah. I, well, I've been processing this a lot lately because I really, cause Devin Dabney and I have been working on this series with like toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and it's like, and this is where it's gets controversial. I used to say, I want to see the end of toxic masculinity, but I don't, I want to see the rebranding of toxic masculinity. I want to see the reface, mm-hmm. like I want it to get a facelift. I want to be so toxically, I want to be such a toxic person in the sense that it's like laughter. Yeah. It's infectious. You yeah. Just like in room, infectious. It, I like that word around people, it too. People just start laughing uncontrollably. Yeah, and it's like going that, but it's like, but like the thing with him, yeah, and maybe infection, infectious is a better word and toxic just has such a negative connotation, but I want it to be infectious. I want yeah. my masculinity that I exude in a, in a form of, in a form of some form of righteousness, some form of morality, some form of just goodness. Mm -hmm. I want it to be so infectious 
toxic in a way, I guess, if you want to use that word, but I want it to be so much that you cannot help, but want to be that same way. Yeah, dude. I think that's what I'm trying to figure out moving into this new year, how to convey that kind of message. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to yet. And I think these conversations are going to have that, but this is where I think it's getting a little messy for so many generations. And I'll say like, you know, I have had conversations with my men, my father's age, my own father and other people. And it's like, it's hard for me to get them to talk about, like they'll say, Oh, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm sad. I'm this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but Mm -hmm. like, but why? Like, tell me what's on your mind. And yeah. That's like a no, no. Yeah, dude. And if you say the H word heart, it's like a mega no, no, dude. Yeah. 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 You know? And I think the thing is, is like those dollars, and I've said this many a times on other episodes, podcasts and other people's podcasts, there are, and you know, I got this from my friend, Nadia Payan, uh, Nadia Payan. I always say Payam and mm-hmm. her name is Payan and I butcher it. So Nadia, thank you. I think you did it justice this time. <laughs> um, But she you know, taught me a statement and it sticks with me to this day and I can never, I'll never go anywhere. But, um, there are three kinds of capital that we can spend and not, and the three kinds of personal capital, like mm-hmm. just, it comes from our bodies. The first capital is physical. We can spend physical dollars. We go to the, ex- we go to the gym, we exercise, we mm-hmm. do whatever we need to, and we burn off that stress and we burn yeah. off that energy mm-hmm. and we feel better. It's fine, but we got to, it doesn't last very long. The second kind of capital is from the heart. Well, sorry. The third kind of hack, the second kind of capital is from the mind. Okay. So you have the mind where that's where you make a conscious decision to shift your mindset and shift how you approach stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's usually, that's where like, you know, you can kind of get into like a tailspin. I like to call it the echo chamber. Yeah. It kind of goes a lot and your things are bouncing around. And then the third and the most valuable one is the heart. Yeah. Those dollars are the most expensive. And the reason why I say that is like it for, it takes two physical dollars to equal one mind dollar. Oh yeah. That sounds about right. It takes three physical dollars to equal one heart dollar. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. So the value is higher. Yeah. And I don't, think most people are willing to spend the capital currently Oof. from that generation yeah. that it takes mm. to dig in that. Because the thing yeah. is you just can't use one of them. Like you can't mm. just like try to burn, like if you try to like build up a bunch of physical dollars, it just doesn't work. Yeah. You have, I mean, it creates an unhealthy person and an unhealthy culture and society. It, it does. Yeah, and we, and, we, sure. and the thing is, is like, I think the reality is we all have those, we have those dollars on reserve, but just oh, withdrawing yeah. them. Mm. Yeah, oh. I think like the the door to the safe gets like kind of welded shut sometimes if you don't use them. Mm-hmm. And then like it becomes like harder and harder to get those dollars out too, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. And exactly. then it takes like these big like, oh, sessions. Like I think counseling or therapy is like training sessions for spending your emotional dollars in Agreed. some ways, dude. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And dude, yeah, kind of diving into that like... Oh, when those dollars have been locked away, I know for like a lot of my life, like, so growing up in the Midwest, like, um, oh, well, dude, wait, this is an aside. How much do you, I don't want to like, okay, cool. And we can edit it out if it isn't good. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, he's beautiful. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah, also, real quick. Yep. Sweet. Same. Oh. Give me, beautiful. That's just a spike that I know to like, so I, when I'm looking mm -hmm. at it, it's, I know, okay, we need to cut something out around yep, yep. here. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, diving into that like emotional. Well, dude, oh man. So if we want to call it masculinity, uh, for, dude, there was this podcast that I listened to on NPR, like I think this year, but it was an old podcast. Like it was something that my wife shared with me. Um, it was called The uh, Lonely American Man. Ooh. That was the title of it. And it was kind of like going through and like uh, did some case studies of like interviews with like older men who kind of like maybe were on the severe end of being like emotionally cut off and communally cut off. Like, I guess, lonely, mm -hmm. um, but also kind of tracing some of the research into like how our culture and society trains like children to be that way, like starting out like really early. Um, so like they're kind of observed, like they had experts on like academics and who else is an expert? I don't know. Yeah. Um, people that are experts, moms. Yeah. That's, that's uh, who dude, are, moms are like the biggest moms are expert experts. on the planets, dude. Moms yeah. are experts. Yeah. If anybody argues that fact, then you're wrong. Talk to yeah. your mom. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Have a chat, bro. Um, but like around middle school, like especially like little boys go from being like, like extremely emotionally expressive to like, maybe I guess that's around the same time as puberty too, like starting to like really shut that down and cut off. So then like boys would be like very affectionate towards their friends. Um, and then like those close, like intimate relationships would like really start to like stagnate. And like, as they went into high school would like, shut down. And I think there's a lot of like cultural forces acting, um, that I don't know, create that in children. Like, I think there's like homophobia that's like directly like linked into our culture at like very subconscious and unspoken levels too, to where mm -hmm. somebody's like, Oh, well, if I'm like really close to my friend, that's a boy. Like maybe that means I'm gay. And there's two layers to that, like as if being homosexual was a problem. And then like also like that it would just be wrong to be that close to another boy. Like anyway, like, and then we That's carry not, those things into adulthood. Like, yeah, I think it's weird um, because it's like, if they're not your sibling, it's odd. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I can see that. I think that's also too, it's like, I was very lucky. Like, I, my father was very emotional person, mm -hmm. like almost to a fault at some times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he did a wonderful job talking about, he did, a, my father did a wonderful job asking me about how I feel all That's the time. That's awesome, dude. And what then the heck? my uncles and all the men in my family do a wonderful job about asking how we feel. But that was the conversation tapered off pretty quickly after that. Like it yeah, didn't yeah. really go much. But dude, farther. that's pretty wild. I think that's really countercultural that that like question would even be asked. Like that's, that seems pretty rare to me, man. Like well, that's pretty cool. You know, I, I, I appreciate that. I, to me, it's pretty normal because I think that's the only way my dad could get us to talk as kids. Yeah. yeah. He's like, how do you feel? Mm -hmm. Well, I feel this way. 
well, what's going on? Tell me like, he would be like, well, why do you feel that way? And we'd be like, blah, 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 blah. And I think as parents, you know, my parents were trying to, and I, and I definitely incorporate, they, I incorporate this in how I coach the kids that I coach. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I'm just trying to get them to tell me a story every day. Dude, that's like, a great thing, man. Yeah. Like, but like you'd be surprised like where it takes you because how many times have we just gotten on this tangent and you're just like, blah, 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 blah. and next thing you know, you've like, oh man, I feel way better. Ooh, yeah. Feel, but then I think oh, this is where, but this is dude. where the negativity comes out of it. It's somewhere along the lines. It's like, oh man, I feel better. Ooh, I shouldn't have shared that much. Oh my gosh. And I think the most people, most people don't care if you share that much. And I think most people are like longing for permit. Dude, when I see a person, I like see like, there's like a story in every person that like that person mm -hmm. is like begging to share, like whether they like realize it or not. Like, I think one part that's inherent about being a human is like a want for connectedness. Yeah. And like, yeah, like some of us definitely have walls around connecting to people. Um, I'm probably a little hot, huh? No, no, you're okay. Fine. Um, it was actually me. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, but like some of us definitely have walls around like connecting to people. Like I, definitely do in certain circumstances because like when harm comes at points like we tend to build walls around that and don't really want to connect yeah. but i think everybody's still like at their core even if they've been wounded is still longing for a connection and dude i think it like i don't know it makes me really happy that like your goal with your kids is like to freaking like get them to share a story with you. Like humans share themselves through stories. And that's just like a really beautiful thing to like aspire to. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, well, kids just won't tell you anything. They like, they're so you, I think they're trained in classrooms and in life. And like, I, you know, I'm not a parent, so I'm going to be mm -hmm. very clear that like, I, I, the job is hard. And I oh, think for sure, dude. And yeah. I think, and I, my parents even did this and I remember this, but like, you kind of get used to like kind of one worded answers or you want yeah, quick answers uh, like, cause you got stuff to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and with kids, I find it like, that's normally what they give me. And I'm mm -hmm. always just like, well, I mean, how was your day? And they're like, it was okay. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. like, yes. It was like that. I'm like, how are you this awesome of a human being? And, and you just this great. Okay and you day. just had an okay day. <laughs> I think you're a liar. Yeah. yeah. And I tell you gotta them, tell this. me more buddy. Yeah. And I, and you know, and I think the best ask the best question to ask them is like, well, what, what were you thinking about all day? Like what was on your mind? And then that usually like opens up the door a little bit where you can kind of get in there because mm -hmm. you know, sometimes the best part of coach, sometimes the most important coaching you can do is not coach. Yeah, man. And I think that's something that, I've been working on trying to build this like coaching mentorship program from like all my years and experiences uh -huh. that I want to do remotely. And that was like something that really, really recently stood out a lot with me. Like it's something that I learned because I remember a coach who coached me and I was like, sometimes the best moments of my coaching experience as an athlete and as a coach have not been coaching and it has nothing to do with coaching. Yeah, at all. dude. And so that's it. I think there's something beautiful about that, man. Like, oh, that I think I'm not a coach. I am a dad. Um, that's, but that's, so that's I'm kind more. of a coach. That's yeah. way more. Yeah. And then I'm like, my son's three. So I'm like, oh, like age. maybe just now becoming a climbing coach for the first time. Who knows? But like, yeah, I think like we have to ask like, well, what is a successful climber? Like, is it the person that climbs the hardest or is it like, well, it can be a million different things, but like mm -hmm. one thing that I want my son to do is like, 
I want him to climb hard as hard as he wants to, or like I wanted, it would be really hard if my son didn't climb, but I want him to do whatever makes his like heart sing. But like, um, like I want him to be like connected to people and like build a love and a joy in the sport. Like, and I want to foster that within him as much as I can now. Like, so if he's going to climb, I want something like, or I want climbing to be something that like, brings him life and that doesn't put like him on like this performance, like, uh, like hamster wheel kind of thing. Um, like, um, without diving too much into that, but as a coach, I always tell parents, I'm like, if you want your kids to climb, take them to the climbing gym. Mm -hmm. They don't have to rock climb. They don't have to climb the whole time, but make them be like, all right, we're going to, dad's going to go to rock climbing gym, Mm -hmm. but you're going to climb with dad for about 10 to 20 minutes, yeah, 30 minutes. And then dad's going to go climb and do whatever he wants. If you yeah. want to be on iPad, you want to do the whatever mm-hmm. you can do whatever, Yeah, you know, but like, you know, and half the time they just want to swing around on the rope yeah, dude. and then just play. Yeah. But like just, and then eventually they'll go up and then, you know, if you go up to the top and you get up to the top of a route and I tell parents to do this, even if it's an easy route, come down, like you're super excited. Like, yeah, oh, I got man. To the top. yeah. I'm so excited uh-huh. because Kids learn by examples. Oh, for they sure. They model dude. you. Mm-hmm. So if they see that you getting to the top really brings you a lot of joy, they're going to do that. But when mm-hmm. they get scared and they, and this is the coolest thing I've ever seen happen. So I told this dad to do this and he in the gym was like climbing up. And then one day his kid finally got to the top of the route and his kid just lost it. Heck joy. Yeah. But he was just like, I was so surprised how excited he was. I was like, well, cause you've modeled that behavior. That's so cool, dude. That's like a, like one of those like subtle, it's, but like extremely oh, dude, telling a, like parenting moments. Dude, it's a cheat code. Yeah. It's a straight up cheat code. Yeah. And so I think that's the thing is, is like, like whether they, they just need to see you doing it. Yeah, the biggest yeah. thing with kids is like, it's, it's like dogs. When dogs see their owners climbing up the wall, they start whimpering and whining because they know it's not yeah, normal. Uh-huh. They know it's like, they're like, oh, blah, 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 yeah. what's going on? And I think the more and more they see it, that's why like seasoned crog, cra- or seasoned crag dogs are just like, all yep. right, all right, whatever. <laughs> He's doing it again. Yeah, She's doing it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they'll be back. And I think that's something that, I don't know. I think that's something that as as, as I've informed parents over the years, like, your kids just got to see you doing it and yeah, like, they'll yeah. either do mm-hmm. it or not do it. Mm-hmm. I find that most parents that just take their kids to the climbing gym and over time, eventually they start climbing. As long as the parents keep climbing throughout the duration of their entire life, the kids almost always, always, mm-hmm. always rock climb. They might not be a competition climber, mm-hmm. but they, they will always climb and they will always be someone who seeks adventure and seeks yeah. the outdoors. Yeah. And I think that's something that, that, and now with the advent of climbing gyms, that might change. It might be like where people go to more climbing gyms regularly. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's what they do because they don't have access to the outdoors. Like living in, you know, an urban metropolis or a concrete jungle, mm-hmm. depending on what that is. Um, man, we've gone. Man, yeah, I didn't expect this uh conversation to go in this direction, but I'm kind of psyched about it, man. Uh, you know, man, as we were talking about earlier, this whole podcast is about building friendships Heck and yeah, just dude. seeing what's on each other's yeah. mind. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I'm just like, I'm genuinely along for the ride. Yeah, like people yeah. are always like, do you script everything out? I'm like, no, I have no idea. What's dude, nothing. Happen. Well, not nothing good. I mean, I generally have like a couple. Like, I, yeah. I have a couple ideas. Yeah. All oh. script is the best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So question for you. Yeah. Why is climbing special to you? Oh man. 
Uh, it's special on so many different levels. So I'll say like a couple different things, like just from like a pure, like this is the simplest thing I could say. Like. <laughs> I mean, the simplest thing I can say is I am not sorry for that savage cutoff. Y'all know me. Y'all know I need you to come back and listen to the next week. Anyways, if you're enjoying this episode, please remember to follow, like, subscribe, my Oklahoma crew. I know the Red River Showdown was a thing, but we all in this together as climbers because we're too close to be apart. And remember, if you're not suffering, are you really sending it all? I mean, think about it. If the scent is so sweet, like honey, you know it's got to sting a little bit. Come on now with me. Come to church. All right, I'm out of here. <laughs>